Stories. Everybody's got them, and we can learn from each other. History can be traced through letters and writings, but the one thing that has remained throughout the generations is the oral tradition. Oral history is one attempt to pass along the stories, tales, musings, and remembrances of one family for the benefit of listeners for generations to come. Join us now for this episode of Oral History with Jeff Zulkowski. Thanks for being here today. This is episode 25 of Oral History. We only have one episode left in season one, and then we'll begin season two, and that's really, really hard to believe. But today I want to make a little disclaimer here to begin with, and if this podcast were rated by the Motion Picture Association of America, it would be rated PG-13. That means that some material may be inappropriate for children under under 13, and the reason being is we're going to deal with some adult thematic material today. So with that in mind, I'm going to entitle this particular episode of our podcast, Oral History, as My Wife and I Are Freaks. I'm going to let that one sit with you for a minute. In case you don't always listen to the end, I want to kind of give you some information up front. Um, you can always get in the most up-to-date information on our Facebook page. Look for Aural History, and we have a website, aural-history.com. You can listen to all of the podcasts there. You can subscribe to them through multiple platforms. You can message us, and you can be a part of our, our support team by becoming a member of our Patreon group, and that would be one of our patrons. And we appreciate those who support the the podcast financially to help defray some of the minor costs that we have. So join us on Facebook, uh, like and subscribe to the page. As always, um, you can go to rl-history.com or just uh, go to Patreon and look for RL History as well. Thank you so much for being with us. So I'm going to start today with this idea of my wife and I are freaks, and it might be clickbait, it might not be, but we definitely are different. And with the PG-13 disclaimer, you might be thinking a few things, and it's probably not what you're thinking, but we are going to deal with a little bit of adult material today, so just be forewarned, I'm going to be pretty plain with you. I'm going to be pretty clinical about it, but I'm going to also share some information that's pretty personal and um, specific. So I uh, just want to let you know what's going on here before we get started. If you're at all offended by plain talk about things that involve sex, this might not be the episode that you want to listen to. But with that in mind, I just want to let you know that we are grateful that you're here and that you're listening. And for today's episode, I just want to talk to you about why my wife and I are freaks. My wife and I attended a a marriage conference this past weekend. Family Life is a Christian group that does a, a, a conference oftentimes many places throughout the country and many places even overseas. And the weekend is called A Weekend to Remember. And it's a three-day event, Friday night, Saturday, all day, and then Sunday morning. And the idea of this what this uh, marriage conference is to just kind of give couples a tune-up. They mention in their literature, and you can look it up, just search Google for Weekend to Remember, 
they talk often about the fact that many couples come to this conference with sometimes divorce papers in hand or at least in the glove box of the car. And oftentimes they walk away with a renewed hope for their marriage. And it's just very straightforward, plain talk about things that couples are going to face. And my wife and I didn't go because of that. We, Our pastor suggested that we might attend. He gave us the weekend off. He kind of pushed us out the door and said, we want you to go and spend some time together. And we made it a weekend. We uh, didn't drive very far, but we rented a hotel room and spent the weekend and went to the conference. Well, in this particular conference, they cover a multitude of things, what marriage is supposed to be like, what things kind of trip marriages up and then how to make it all better and and the make it all better is obviously through the power of power of god power of the holy spirit in the lives of the two people who are involved but right in the middle of this conference on saturday morning after the friday night session there was the very first session on saturday morning was something called let's fight and as we approached this session i was a little uneasy um, mostly because my wife and I don't fight. And I didn't know exactly what was going to be talked about and how it was going to be approached, but it was just very straightforward, plain information. The The couple that was presenting that particular session talked about how they fight often, and sometimes it's been um, just not positive, like almost dirty fighting, um, using words that are not helpful and not uplifting, and and but that they come through that. And this happens. This happens in marriages all over, everywhere. It happens in non-Christian marriages as well as Christian marriages. And in fact, there's a, an organization by the name of YouGov, Y-O-U-G-O-V, that did a study they, they did a survey this past April and May of 2022, and they asked the question of the people that they interviewed, do you and your partner typically have a fight or an argument, and if so, how frequently? And I want to share to you, share with you some of the, the numbers. There, those who responded that they fight at least once a day were 8% of the people involved, and that was kind of on the low end. Then everything in between is kind of on a very even footing. Multiple times a week, 11%. Once a week, 11%. Multiple times in a month, 15%. Once a month, 13%. Multiple times in a year, 16%. And once a year or less, 16%. And that's where most of the couples were at. Now, the only category that I didn't mention is the couple that my wife and I fall into, and that is never. 3% of the respondents said that they never argue or fight. And when we went through this session and we heard from these couples how often and how sometimes bitter the fights can be and how they make up. My wife and I were just kind of sitting in the audience that day looking at each other going, sweetheart, I don't think we're normal. And I struggled with this to the point where at this particular conference, they have an app that kind of guides you through the weekend. So you download it to your phone. And 
a, a number of things are accomplished through this app. They have you do surveys and they take live polls during sessions and they have access to all the material and even future material. And they tell you when sessions are starting and when to get back in the room and that sort of thing. So especially if you're staying at the hotel, which we weren't, but if you're staying in the hotel, you can kind of gravitate up to your room for a few minutes and then get the warning and be down in time to be a part of the session. Well, one of the things they had in the app was a, an opportunity to ask questions of these three couples that were presenting this weekend. And then on Sunday morning, they would take time during the, the very last session to address them all in kind of a panel discussion. Well, I decided, and I cleared it with my wife, and I showed her what I was going to write before I sent it, and I decided to send in a question. And the question was that we've been married for 17 years, and we actually celebrated our anniversary that while we were at the conference. That Saturday, we celebrated our anniversary. And in our 17 years, we've never really had a vitriolic, yelling, screaming fight. We just have not done it. Um, we've had discussions that our tension level rose, um, but that's it. We we discuss things and we we try to care for each other, even in the disagreements that we might have. But I wouldn't say that we fight or that we argue. Um, when I think of fighting and arguing, I usually think of two people trying to make their point and convince the other person that they're right. And that's not what Rissa and I do in our marriage. And so I, I filled out this questionnaire, or I, I submitted this question through the app, thinking that they're probably not going to answer it on Sunday morning. Well, we get to the Sunday morning session, and the first thing they said, there was a caveat that they put out there, and they were very sincere and heartfelt about this. They said, we have seen questions for years at these conferences, and what you wrote is not new. It has not surprised us one bit. And then there was a kind of a implied but. And they went on to read my question, and they read the question, we've been married for 17 years, and we don't fight. Are we normal? And I was not ready for the just the depth of the response from the audience. There was a verbal rumbling in the room and basically a group of people that were muttering under their breaths and sometimes within our earshot saying, yeah, right, you're in denial. You're, there's no way. There's, it's not possible for you to have gone that long. In fact, the couple that had presented the, the session on Saturday talked about the fact, he, he joked and said, we can't go 17 minutes, and, and this couple's gone 17 years without a fight. And the, his wife stepped forward, and my wife, Larissa, and I, had, and, and she had connected a little bit previously and talked a little bit. And she just stepped forward, not knowing that the question was ours, but she just stepped forward and said, if that's the case, then be blessed that you don't fight. Don't go looking for a fight just so you can feel normal, but be blessed in the fact that you don't fight in that way. But there was still just this reticence, this kind of questioning 
in even their responses about, I'm not sure these people understand what they're saying when they say they don't fight. And one of the other gentlemen who was one of the presenters actually st stood up at that time, and he was the more pastoral of the three men. And he said, what I would caution you if you're that couple is just don't be peacemakers to the point that you will put things aside in order to keep the peace because that's not helpful either. And that's not what Riss and I do either. We just don't argue and fight. Now, we keep short accounts with one another. If something is wrong, we talk about it. And, and honestly, my wife has every right to be what I would call a stuffer. Just some of the things that went on in her family, the things that she was taught, the way her, her mom in particular reacted to situations when there were arguments or disagreements in their family, Riss learned how to stuff and learned how to put things down. I did not. I grew up in a family where we lived life at full volume. Um, if there wasn't full volume in our house, there was probably something wrong or the house was empty because when we were around each other, everybody just kind of let everybody else know what was going on. My sister and I fought like cats and dogs growing up. I was, I, I am four years younger than her and I irritated her incessantly as a child. I was mean to her and even into our teens, we shared a room because our house was only six rooms and when you have six rooms, the parents take up a room, the older brother takes up a room, and the last room has to be shared. And um, so my sister went through a lot. Um, if you ever have the opportunity to meet her, you need to put your arms around her and you need to hug her because she is a remarkable woman for having not killed me as a child. Um, so I know how to fight. I watched my family fight. I watched my sister and my dad just go at it. I watched my parents fight with my brother and we fought. So we knew how to do it and I know how to do it. But there's something about fighting and I'll go back to what I said before about a fight or an argument is being in a position where you want to make your point so badly and you want so badly to be right that you're willing to sacrifice something in the relationship. Maybe momentary intimacy, maybe long-term intimacy, maybe you're willing to sacrifice the, the relationship itself because you want to be right that badly. And that's not what my wife and I do. So we don't fight, we don't argue. I raised my voice to my wife one time very early in our marriage and I was wrong. Um, it was a situation where I was trying to be the knight in shining armor. Um, as, a, as a pastor, you, we, we all put on this cloak of just wanting to help everyone and wanting to see people championed who otherwise wouldn't be championed. And in this particular case, there was a, a, a young man who was dealing with his own homosexuality, but he was also dealing with some perversions that had happened in his life early in life and how it had carried over into his adult life. And he was struggling with those and he was homeless. And I wanted to be the knight in shining armor to help him. We, we would have dinner occasionally. We would uh, spend time together. And through all of this, my wife kept urging me 
to be careful that there was something going on under the surface that I wasn't aware of. And if you're a dude and you're married, that's exactly your wife's wheelhouse. Your wife's wheelhouse is to watch for your blind spots and point out the things. That's why they, and, and, and I'm going to joke about this a little bit, but that's why they are so good sitting in the passenger seat of the car and going, whoa, whoa, watch out. That, you know, that person almost hit us or whatever. That can be irritating at times for some people, but that's what a wife needs to do is she needs to be able to turn her head around a little bit farther and see that car that's kind of speeding up alongside of you and say, whoa, hang on, there's a blind spot. You didn't see it. And for me, that was the case in this situation. I was trying so hard to be the knight in shining armor for this young man that I was not seeing exactly what was going on. Um, and she just warned me and I got irritated with her. Now, I still don't think it was a fight, but I did raise my voice and and then very soon after apologized and God convicted me of my error and that I need to trust my wife very sincerely in those situations where I may not see the whole truth. And she was right. She was absolutely right. So that's as close in 17 years as we've come to having a fight and it was early on. And since we just don't fight. Now, there are a number of possibilities as to why I believe this to be true. And I think one of them is just the way Riss and I came into our marriage. And, and what I mean by that is Riss was 36 when we got married and I was 40. And for 36 years, Larissa had come to a point in her life where she was comfortable being single. She desired to be married. She desired to be a mom, but she had come to the acceptance that if that was not God's will for her, she would be perfectly happy to live her life pursuing God, loving him and loving his people as a single person. And the same was true for me. 40 years old, I had gotten to the point where I had said to God, God, if you have a wife for me, fabulous. But if you don't, I'm okay. And I will live for you nonetheless. I will live my whole life for you because you are the, the reason that I'm here. Now, if you give me a wife, together we will use that to bring glory and honor to you, that marriage. But I'm here to live for you. And Larissa was saying the same thing to God. And when God brought us together at 36 and 40, we were very comfortable in our own skin. We were very comfortable with who we were and, and being able to accomplish things on our own if we needed to, but also surrendering and caring for each other in a way that allowed us to love one another sacrificially. Now, I don't say that to sound pious. I don't say that to sound holier than thou. I just say that because at the age of 40 and for her at the age of 36, we were ready to live serving God no matter what. And it just so happened that God put us together. Now, this is where it might get a little PG-13 for you. So if you've been comfortable so far and you think, well, there's really not much about that that was PG-13, now it's going to go a little bit deeper. So if you're 
uncomfortable at all with the things I'm about to discuss, now's the time to check out. And I'm fine with that. You can pick us up in uh, episode 26. But one of the things that God did in me and in Larissa is he brought us both to the marriage bed pure. Now, when I said at the beginning of this that I wanted to call this episode, my wife and I are freaks. First of all, I've explained to you over the past 16 minutes or so about how we don't fight and that from a statistical standpoint, we're in a very, very small minority, a 3% minority of people that claim that they've never fought. So not only does that make us freaks, but again, being 40 years old as a man and 36 years old as a woman, both of us coming to the marriage bed pure, also in the sight of the world, makes us look freakish. Now, the year we got married, there was a movie that came out with Steve Carell, and it was called The 40-Year-Old Virgin. I've never seen the movie um, but I've been told enough about it that makes me believe that I wouldn't want to watch it. But I was the 40-year-old virgin the year that movie came out. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't desire to have that part of my life culminated, so to speak, at multiple points throughout my lifetime. When I was 14 and 15, I would have slept with just about anyone. The problem was the girls in my high school that probably would have slept with me scared me, and the ones that I really liked wouldn't sleep with me. And so I went through my entire high school career just kind of stuck in the friend zone. I think we talked about that in a, in a previous episode. So I was stuck in the friend zone. Larissa was the same way. She was the nice little girl from Indiana, and she had some opportunities, but none of them were sincere. None of them were based on a relationship that would have been birthed out of her having had sex. It was more somebody wanting to help her out and get her, get her over her virginity, like it was something to be cured from. And, and that wasn't right. And so she never moved that way either. Now, when I was 18 and I was engaged, I probably came as close to wanting to have sex with someone and God rescued me and rescued the girl. I remember the circumstances. I, I had taken, taken this young lady to my place of work and which was a, a building out in the middle of nowhere to show her how we broadcast the TV stuff that we did for this little local origination cable station. Go back and listen to Canyon Cable 11, the, the Canyon Cable 11 years. But I took her out there to show her where I worked, but also for the potential of maybe something happening, at least in my mind. And in the midst of that night, God just burdened me so greatly that I couldn't speak. And I had to, at one point, just say to her, we got to get out of here. And that was the Holy Spirit within me convicting me and saying to me, not now. This is not for you. 
not now. And then from that point on, I was a Christian. Now, as a Christian, I didn't just miraculously no longer have desires and and no longer struggle with anything. I struggled with pornography throughout my lifetime um, until my marriage. And even early on in my marriage for our courting days, I was still struggling with that. But in all of that, I was chasing after God, not with anybody that I was moving far enough along with that I would have the opportunity. And so I had the privilege of coming to the marriage bed pure. I had a wife who had the privilege of coming to the marriage bed pure. Now, when I say our age had something to do with the way God has knit us together and made us so that we don't fight, our having come together at the marriage bed pure and not having any expectations that we had to live up to or live down to because of previous sexual encounters also made us that much more tight-knit. Now, I understand when I say that, that can be very disconcerting for somebody. If, if, if you, throughout your lifetime, have given into temptation and, and have had sex outside of marriage, it could be very humbling. It could be very convicting. But God can redeem that as well. I just have the privilege of not having anybody to compare my wife to. In fact, when when we first started engaging in sex as a couple, as a married couple, we weren't very good at it because neither of us had had any practice. And we thank God that we didn't have any practice. And we thank God that nobody has been there with us. I've never been intimate with anyone like I've been intimate with my wife. And my wife has never been intimate with anybody like she is intimate with me. And I know her in the biblical sense. I know her in the heartfelt spiritual sense. And I don't have anybody to compare her to. And I'm so grateful for that. Now, I don't say that to condemn you. I don't say that if you've struggled. We've got friends right now that are parents who are friends that are dealing with their children finding themselves in sexual situations at the ages of 14 and 15. And it's just terrifying for them. And then they think about, well, well, we did this when we were whatever age. And Rissa and I think about, well, we never did that. And so we don't have a lot of one-to-one -one empathy with these parents, but we can talk to them about this because we don't have any problem talking about this. I had a conversation last night with a friend about just the fact that my wife and I are intimate in a way that 
we love each other and have nobody to compare to. And we are, that was God's design. Okay? You have to understand this. The world has made sex something that it isn't. God invented sex, but he invented it to be carried out between a man and a woman in the context of marriage and for them to only have had that with each other. And I am so grateful. I am so grateful that that's what my wife and I have. He also intends for marriage to be forever. So God's plan for marriage and for sex is for it to be between a man and a woman forever and only between the two of them. That's why when you say things in marriage covenants, when you say vows like, I will take you forsaking all others, part of that is that idea of there are no other sexual partners, and, and I won't have any while I'm married, and it would be glorious if I hadn't had any before I was, was married. But that's the forsaking. And then there's forsaking all others in letting anybody interject their, themselves between you and your wife, emotionally, uh, relationally, or anything else. Like, you are knit to your husband or your wife in a way that it's God's plan for you two to be together forever and to be with each other sexually forever and to know no one else and to love each other so deeply that it glorifies God. God invented sex and sex glorifies God. Marriage as a whole is a picture of what Christ has accomplished for the church. There are many parallels in the Bible that talk about a man should love his w wife the way Christ loved the church. Jesus Christ gave his life for the church. And this is the church universal. This is all of the people who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for time immemorial. Jesus Christ died for the church and husbands are to give their lives away as a sacrifice for their wives. Now, this brings us full circle back to this idea of Riss and I never fighting. If a fight is two people trying to make their point at the expense of some portion of the relationship, short-term intimacy, long-term intimacy, or the relationship itself, if that's what a fight or an argument is, then Riss and I have never done that. Because our heart is always for the other person. When my wife, initially in our marriage, would try to stuff her feelings, I would tell her, no, that's we can't do that. You can't take that and just push it down and hope it goes away. We've got to talk about this. Now, again, it wasn't a fight. It was a discussion, but it was a discussion with the goal of the other person being loved well enough to be able to trust the other person. And this is how we love our daughter. My daughter wants to yell and wants to drop, drop 
giant verbal bombshells and then run out of the room. And I won't let her leave. I want her to stay. I want her to make her point. And I want her to tell me why she believes what she believes. I have a point to make, but I'm going to make that point in love and care for her in the process and help her to understand as opposed to wanting to win the fight so badly that I'm willing to sacrifice some portion of the relationship. And the only time I've ever yelled, really, really yelled at my daughter was to shock her into believing that she needed to hear what was going on, but it was done. And I know maybe you might say I'm delusional, but I did it to get her attention, to show her how much I cared for her. I want to pick this up and I want to talk a little bit more about this in the future. So we're going to set this aside for now. We're going to pick it up in a, in a later episode, but I do want to thank you for being here and I want to thank you for listening. As always, I want to pray for us before we part ways. So let's take a few minutes and pray with me. Father, I thank you for those who are listening and, and whatever has brought them here, whatever's brought them to this point in this podcast, if they've stayed all the way through the disclaimers and they realized that maybe there was something that they needed to hear, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would draw them to yourself in this moment. I don't mean to sound judgmental. I don't mean to sound holier than thou. I don't mean to sound more pious. But Lord, I am so grateful for the things that you've accomplished in and through me and how you've knit Riss and I together. And Lord, if someone listening, it's not like that. If there is conflict, if there is difficulty, if there is this specter of a sexual past before marriage. Father, I just, I know you can fix all of that. I know you can heal all of that. And I pray for healing first and foremost. I pray for hearts to be knit together. I pray for husbands and wives that are listening to this to be knit tightly together. First of all, more than anything, for each of them to be knit to you and to your heart to the point where that's what they seek is to glorify you and to love you with their whole heart. And then, Lord, as a strand of three cords that it talks about in your word, not being easily broken, that you take and you knit them together with you. Now that you've knit them to your heart, each in one individually, knit them together as a couple. Bind them together and let nothing pull it apart. What God has brought together, let no man try to tear apart. Father, knit hearts together, change destinies, change marriages, change lives of those listening right now. And Lord, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for what you've accomplished in me and in Riss and what you continue to do in our lives. Please continue to guard and protect us, continue to keep us close to you and walking with you continue to guide us so that we may bring glory and honor to you through our lives lord we love you we praise you 
And Father, if anyone is listening and does not know you, open their eyes and their ears to the truth of the gospel right now, what Christ did for them, how he sacrificed on the hill of Calvary and gave his life so that his righteousness could be imparted to them and that their sinfulness could be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ if they'll just believe, repent, and confess. Father God, minister in hearts today. Be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here. Episode 26 in two weeks, we'll finish out season one, and then we'll have a few surprises for the beginning of season two. So, so grateful you're listening. Again, be a part of our support team through Patreon. Um, go to our website, Aural, A-U-R-A-L-History.com, and check out Patreon there. Email us, find the podcast, um, and find ways to subscribe to it. So thank you so much. Wherever you're listening, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Aural History. This has been a production of Z Media and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. Join us again next time.